0: Hi, uh, everyone. Uh, Nolan Peterson. I'm the CEO and president of World Copper Limited, we're a Vancouver-based junior mining company uh, with exciting projects in Chile, the Escalones project and the Cristal project, as well as an exciting project in Arizona called the Zonia project. Uh, We understand the needs of the copper market in the near future as well as the long term future. And we're positioning this company to supply that and benefit from significant uh, increases in demand.
1: Nolan, good to see you. Um, Lovely to to meet you as well. We've not met or spoken before. So, um, always keen on a copper story and trying to, and this is, I guess, one of the nearest kids on the block.
0: Um, So, where are you now? I'm in Vancouver at the moment. Yeah, very. an unusually bright day here. I'm kind of jealous <laughs> for this time of year. That sea looks
1: r- rather refreshing and, and blue and lovely. Um, yeah. But look, we better talk copper instead, though. Um, look, can we <laughs> just kick off with a little bit about you, relevant experience to what we're going to talk about today, and maybe just introduce some of the team. I, I, some of the names I recognize from the from the PowerPoint, but let's go for it.
0: Sure. Yeah. So my background for the benefits of the viewers is an engineering. Uh, that's my undergraduate degree. I uh, graduated from the University of British Columbia. I spent the first 5-years of my career working for a company called SNC-Lavalin, which is a very large engineering, procurement and construction management company, focusing on project development for major clients. I've worked for clients like Newmont, Barrick, Rio Tinto, KGHM. Uh, I worked on the KGHM pre-feasibility study uh, back many years before it was put into operation uh, in Chile. I then transitioned to a producing Gold company called New Gold, where I was involved in the construction of the Kamloops and New Afton Copper Gold project as an engineering manager as well as a commissioning uh, engineer. I also worked on the Blackwater and Rainy River projects for New Gold at a feasibility stage and then ultimately was involved in the Rainy River construction. Along the way, I picked up an MBA as well as a, a CFA designation so I have a fairly strong financial background as well and I've uh, always tried to marry the two, technical as well as financial. The last 5-years I spent time at New Gold in the Corporate Finance Group as well as TMAC Resources, most recently acquired by Agnico Eagle, uh, so that's what I've been focusing on my entire career in mining, nearly 20-years now, project development, operations, uh, corporate finance, uh, corporate governance, board relations, executive management, uh, that's me in a nutshell. Uh, for uh, on a more personal note, I grew up in a small community in the Arctic called Cambridge Bay, Nunavut. Uh, some people know that about me; not not a lot do. Uh, but uh, being up there, seeing mining development firsthand, uh, the impact on the community—a very positive impact, uh, I may say, must say—is a small community of 1,500 people. That's kind of what what fuels me now is being able to develop mines. In areas and uh, share the prosperity with locals uh, as well as our shareholders. Okay, Th-
1: thanks for sharing that. Uh, I did not know that. Um, can we just talk about some of the uh, the, the people in the company who are act- active, right? I recognize some uh, of the yeah, names yeah. who will probably be influencers at the end of a phone call, but yep. who's active in building w- whatever it is that you're building?
0: So our chairman is very active in the um, in the management of the company. His name's Hank Van Alfen. Uh, he has an extensive history in the mining industry in Vancouver. Uh, it's focused mostly on South America. Many of the mines uh, that many mines that people are aware of now, such as Tacataca, uh, Mirador, or projects, uh, he was I, he was involved with them at a very early stage. He also was founder of a company called International Tower Hill, uh, at Corriente Resources. A couple of those companies uh, went from basically ten or twenty million dollars. To either sales in the you know high, I guess nine figures uh, or what? How many? Eight hundred and sixty million, for example, for Corriente Resources was the sale. International Tower Hill was over a billion dollars at one point. Uh, he's been involved in uh, recently in a company called Wealth Minerals, which is a lithium project in Chile, and that's kind of how World Copper came about as a subsidiary of that. Uh, we have an executive director in Chile who uh, helps as well with strategy. His name's Marcelo Wad. He was the former CEO of Antofagasta Minerals for eight years, as well as spent some time with Codelco before that. uh, He built uh, three mega projects with Antofagasta, as well as took the company from a $4 billion to $20 billion valuation. Uh, We also have a general manager in Chile. His name is Shistof Nepirila. He's had over a decade of experience with KGHM. Uh, which is one of the world's largest copper companies. He was their general manager in South America for the last three years, as well as the general manager of their Frankie mine. So these are the the four key people at a at a high level who are driving our agenda right now. We also have geologists as well associated with, uh, John Drobe is our head geologist, extensive history in identifying uh, prospects in South America, a lot of experience in Gold and Copper.
1: Brilliant. Like I appreciate it, Nolan, I,
0: Yeah, I better set this
1: up for the, fo- the folks at home. Like, for, for me, because this is the first time I've spoken, I just want to kind of general overview, I want to let the story wash over me, trying to understand the moving parts and more importantly understand. How you're going about putting the the business plan together, and more important, and more importantly, the strategy for delivering said business plan. It's it's early days, so we will. I hope you will come back on and have a more technical conversation with us with regards mm-hmm. to, um you know, the they well certainly around the the, the PEA and and uh, some of the assets, but for today, let, let's kind of just keep it fairly high level. So it's a new, relatively new project, new, new therefore newish team working together. What was the plan day one? Why, why did you go down yeah. to Chile? Surely, it's a great copper history, but you must have looked at that and gone, "Crikey!" The, the, geopolitically, <laughs> maybe there are better places.
0: Yeah. So, so day one, uh, Chile, of course, to, to, to finish with the, or start with your finish there. The world needs copper, and it has to come from Chile. Uh, a, a large component of it has to come from Chile. Twenty to thirty percent of the world's copper is supplied from Chile. 30 to 40% of the reserves and resources. We're on a knife's edge of production and supply uh, uh, or supply and demand right now. Uh, So, really, you know, there's, you can't get away with, you can't just say, I'm not going to look for copper in Chile and just go mine somewhere else because we'll just never meet the world's required supplies from there. So, that makes Chile uh, a good jurisdiction still for exploring for copper. Obviously, uh, every major copper mining company in the world operates in Chile and that's not going to change anytime soon. What was the the impetus to start World Copper? You know, Hank Van Alphen and Marcelo Wad with Marcelo's extensive experience in uh, Chile and copper said, you know, this is where we need to be in the next 5-10 years with attractive assets that we can either be developing or, you know, working with partners to develop or potentially selling them to larger players as we uh, show the value there. So they identified a project called Escalonis, which is our flagship, and they they said, and you said it's a newer project, but it's actually been around for almost 20 years now, been drilled uh, extensively by previous holders, there's been uh, 53 drill holes and 25,000 metres of drilling. So that's a pretty common story in the mining industry, of course, you know, these things don't happen overnight. Um, but the previous holders, they, they we felt and our geologists felt that they didn't understand the asset and how the market was trending. And by that, I mean they were focusing on uh, sulfide flotation extraction. And that's you know pretty technical for this point. We can talk about that later. But we saw the potential to change it to an oxide heap leach operation uh, because we felt that that was the value add for the project. So the company itself was created about two, three years ago. It was private for most of the time. I went through the motions and and things that you need to do to take a company public. Went public just last January, so just a year, uh, January 2021, so about a a little bit over a year public right now. So, in that sense, it's a very fresh story. We did work that allowed us to change the nature, the understanding, and the nature of the deposit to refocus it on the oxide potential. And that culminated with the work last week of changing, uh, releasing the preliminary economic assessment of an oxide project. Now, you know, going back to the newness of a project, you normally would not be able to get to that level of development that quickly. But we had the uh, geologic geologic data, the drill hole data, and we just uh, did the necessary metallurgical work to reinterpret it and provide us with that opportunity. So that's uh, where we saw the most value, and it's already paid extreme dividends. We've made this project more valuable than it ever was before. Now we just need to get the message out there and continue to de-risk it and advance it. Uh,
1: Okay, so that's that's and and I I do want to come to the PA. I I, I do, but I'm always intrigued about how these things get structured and set up. Okay, so. Previous owners get it been working on it for a while you've coming up with a, with a new web of of, of a new approach the heat bleach, reduce costs uh, the the economics you know will will i guess yeah. leap, leap off the page as a result but what what was the deal you struck with them and then what were you doing during that sort of private period that you know two years yeah. of, key, of of private company enterprises so
0: i w- I wasn't uh, involved with the company until April of last year, but right. basically the company itself made a deal to acquire the asset. Uh, I think it was a cash payment of about three million dollars, a retained royalty which of two percent which can be purchased back for another three million at any time prior to five years of uh, production of copper from the site, and a thirty percent ownership in the resulting company. I think it was actually higher thirty percent when I joined the company, it was actually higher uh, before it was diluted by subsequent financing so this company was called trimetals it 's now called Gold Springs Resources. They still exist. But they've divested their entire interest in uh, Escalonis and World Copper, uh, and so basically the logic uh, or the argument that we was made to them was that you know they misunderstood the asset, uh, they had lost the I guess dr- drive on their side to advance the project, and they said if you think you can do a, a better job of it, then we'll be happy to take a step back, and 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 a deal was struck in that regard. So that's how how these things right. come about right uh,
1: but it wasn 't just drive it, it, it was an approach, so that you say they are mm-hmm. perhaps not as up to date or with, 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 with mark with, what the market yeah. sentiment was well, in terms of how you approach these things and and, and but also a f- f- cash constraint at this point
0: so they were a precious they are a precious metals focused company, and you know again we 're getting technical here, but often with copper deposits, you have a sizable gold component. Uh, They were always looking for gold and they didn't really find enough of of it with this asset. So they said, you know, if there's not gold here, we don't know if we can make this thing work for us. Uh, We don't see the potential for it uh, as a copper deposit. It takes people who focus in on copper to really understand where the value is. So they have a project in uh, Nevada right now that I think they're focusing on, and it's a pure gold project. Uh, it's just a, a difference in strategy and focus of the two companies, and that's uh, it created the opportunity for us to step in and really uh, make it something special.
1: Okay, and so during that private phase, who who financed it, and to the tune of, of of what amount? What, what was achieved during uh, that period? I guess what I'm trying to understand. So
0: wealth minerals uh, was involved. I don't know exactly the the who stepped in. wasn't very major players. Uh, like no large institutional support or anything like that. It was largely done in the depths of COVID. Uh, financings were challenging at the time. If anyone remembers, uh, just after March 2020 in that time frame, I think uh, you know this company had a nice financing lined up at PDAC in 2020. Uh, for, for those that don't know, that's the largest uh, mining conference in Toronto every year. Uh, this is the last in-person one. And, uh, you know, it's usually early March. So they had a nice financing lined up. And then that just fell apart from what I understand as COVID set in, copper prices dipped. Uh, it was challenging to raise money. And so we they, they just took it from any entity that they could. Uh, we've done a lot of cleaning up of that financing. These things normally take years to do for a lot of junior companies. We've been doing it all of last year. Uh, Our last financing we did in October was very strong. Uh, We have an institutional investor, McKenzie Financial, who's been uh, in fairly early. But other than that, no large institutions or uh, at the moment, uh, it's again very early story. Uh, we're getting the message out there right now, and since we've released our PEA, a lot of uh, chatter has picked up around. Uh, a lot of interest has come our way from those institutions. Now it's about finding the right uh, strategic investor and dance partner, so to speak.
1: Okay, well, let's come to strategic investors in, in, in a second. So just just around, just, just going to stick with that kind of the, the corporate structure component, which So not not quite clear on the on how much money went in during that period, and, and that's fair enough. And, and you're yeah. new, new to the new era to the story so i guess it was the previous uh, t being there. Yeah. it right so it's 75 80 million market cap depending on the time of the week um, at, at the moment so you still you know that that sub 100 million mark yeah. um starting to get noticed the shares the trend is moving the right way all, all good news um this PA that you put out, okay, and we and we all accept it's plus or minus thirty percent in terms of what the numbers could you know could be uh, you know for, for yep. PFS, right? So that's all fine, but it, it's a it's a big it's a big number, right? One point five billion post tax NPV eight, right? Forty six point two ARR. It's they, these yeah. are pretty punchy numbers for 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 a small company, and and the share price came off a bit. Was, was that people like cashing in, or what, what, what was happening there?
0: Yeah, you know, we've had like I said, we've had a tremendous uh, period of growth. Uh, since I joined, certainly when I joined the company, the share price was at a we did a rollback last year. It was at a post rollback price of about thirty cents, and so we got up to over a dollar recently. Uh, we traded a lot of volume last week off the news of the p a so definitely a lot of people see the value there, but we did have a lot of selling, as you just mentioned uh, What happens is with a lot of junior companies is there 's a lot of people who do the financing take part in the financing. And they're not necessarily long term investors uh, that want to be involved. Uh, they are on to the next financing uh, that's how they make their margins. So it's a little bit of a i guess something that's not well known in the industry. Uh, you expect people to be long if they see value in an asset but we are we know uh, from this project and others and everyone talks about it uh, that there's sellers who will just sell, especially in Vancouver. Um, so that I wouldn't necessarily attribute any of the pullback to the strength of the project. Uh, certainly, off the back of the project, we've got tremendous interest from brokers, uh, from financing institutions that are saying, you know, they expect us to need money after PEA. But we don't at the moment, and that's something we can talk about as well. And when they expect the financing, uh, a lot of buying kind of pulls back and says, "Well, I'll just wait for the financing." uh, Indeed, as well. So it's a little bit of pushing and shoving uh, and trying to understand, get them to understand. We don't need the money. They want to take part. uh, At some point, they should get in early, and I would encourage that as well for everyone. Of course, as the CEO, uh, I was in early uh, myself with my own investments and on top of the. Options that I've been granted, uh, but uh, I would encourage that as well. Eventually, uh, selling like this uh, is dries up as the people who don't want to be a part of the story move on,
1: and they probably play the play the warrant game anyway.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Okay. So when you so you've invested cash at market as well, your own cash. I I purchased.
0: uh, Yes, I've been given options uh, in two tranches, about one point four million shares, and I've purchased myself about. Four hundred thousand shares, I believe it is in the open market.
1: Okay. That's good. Good to know. Um, right. So let we better get back, let's get back to what it is that you're trying to do here. Because, you know, sub hundred million, so 70, 75, 80, whatever you are, that spending depending on the time of week, um, mm-hmm. you've got a lot of proof, right? So you kind of got this big project which with a Big CapEx uh, with some big numbers at the end of it, if you can get the whole thing financed over whatever whatever period of time it takes you to go through the studies. Mm-hmm. People have got to believe that you're capable of doing that and the, that you want to do that. But you've t- already talked about a strategic partner at this early stage. So, so what's the game plan on es- Escalonis? Yeah.
0: So the first thing I would say is, you know, first of all, the, the CapEx is not that large relative to other copper projects at the scale that Escalonis is at. And of course, that comes from the SXEW oxide heat bleach advantage there. Uh, a sub $500 million uh, dollar copper project that produces as much copper per year as Escalonis is is at the PEA stage right now. Uh, we're half the average capital intensity spend, which is how much you have to spend to get a, a ton of uh, copper produced per year. Uh, there's, it's all in our comp deck as well. You'll see. So it's a, you know if we get a if we de-risk the project, move it along, a for a junior company, you know you see five hundred, six hundred million dollar valuations, especially when you're sitting on a one point five billion dollar. Uh, if financing options are more available than if you are a uh, seventy million dollar company or even a five hundred million dollar company, but your asset. That has an NPV of 1.5 billion, like Escalonis, costs $2 billion or $3 billion to put into production. Now, with that being said, uh, a strategic partner is something that a lot of juniors pick up along the way as they, you know, you start with a land package, you start with the initial founders and the people who are interested, you do a couple of financings, maybe their brokered deals, you get some marketing done by uh, analysts that start picking up your story to assist with those financing. These stories evolve over two, three, four years You're drilling land packages, you're building up your resource. Uh, we have only been at this again for the last year publicly. We don't have any analyst market pickup yet because we haven't done any brokered financings. They haven't, there hasn't been that need there to support it by going to the institutions. But as that ramps up, we will be attracting strategic investors. We're already starting to People who are crawling through our data room on Escalonis and Zonia, looking at the information that we have, uh, talking about interest in making deals with us. Now it's about how big a position do they want to take? Where do they want to support the growth of the company going forward? Uh, but they move more slowly than the general market, of course. Uh, they want to be very smart with their. Deployment of capital and these things take time, and they will be, but they will be getting done very shortly.
1: I mean, it's good for you to be able to talk about that. But sorry, the, the, you, you got strategic partners coming in at PEA stage in Chile as well. So very, you, you were kind of narrowing down yeah. the, the the audience. Quite, quite quickly, aren't, aren't we? Um, in terms of who's stepping forward, so you've got industry players you're talking about in terms of strategic. Yeah, of course. Right? Okay. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, or, or uh, you know, capital funds that are looking to just find a good asset. Uh, like you said at the start, it's hard to find a good copper story. I talk to uh, investment bankers uh, at major institutions in Vancouver and Toronto, and I'll say, you know, you know the copper space, right? And the, of course, I've spent 20 years. I keep an eye on it. I've got. Who, they need to be on trend for what uh, what is coming down the pipe that'll need money and I say have you ever heard of world copper it's like no i tell them the story it's the same story i just told you and then i show them the pea and they're just like how come i've never heard of this right so you know there's always that first question like is this for real is there something going on here uh, certainly not. It's just a newness of the story, and you know there's a bit of a skepticism when you hear it for the first time. But that is the honest truth, and uh, there's good opportunity here. People are seeing it as they uh, take a look at the project more closely, which is just happening now. Right.
1: It, do you know it feels? It feels like the team. this you and and some of the names that you, you've mentioned already. They feel like like deal makers, right? So you you've gone and picked up, identified, picked up, dusted off. Um, they kind of almost rehabilitated a, a, a copper idea, and you put out this PA, which is which is fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. How, how does how does the company move forward? Because where is the excitement about the geology? You know, and how do you fund oh, yeah. the development of the geological component, the geological model, and you know allow you to kind of move through, you know, resource expansion, and you know move through to the next study PFS, or, or you know, how you yep. intend to approach it? So, oh yeah, how, yeah. Where, where's that in this story?
0: Yeah, so you know, I would say first to that, uh, you know, Hank Van Alpen, certainly he's made his history of deal making, but myself, I've always been an operations and project development guy. Uh, just grinding it out on the engineering side, putting together budgets and life of mine plans, uh, not necessarily playing the markets uh, you know as I work for operating companies right it 's never been for me about selling the asset it 's about finding the value there and unlocking it and that 's why you know personally, I was the project manager for the company. Uh, On the PEA for Escalonis because it's a relatively small PEA compared to some of the other projects that I've worked on. With I've extensive history in project development, so I would say that uh, you know, and you know, Marcel Watt, of course, certainly a a deal maker, but he's uh, he's done a lot of a fair bit of project development as well. Um, Now, what is? In store for the future for Escalonis. Now, not only do we have an attractive and what I would say spectacular economics that would excite the market and warrant future development. You know, it's a prize now that we understand and we can say this is the pot at the end of the rainbow that we're chasing. Right? It's a clear uh, a clear demonstration of that. We also have exploration upside potential in Escalonis. Of course, every company talks about that. We we have uh, what supports the PEA. Is what we call the main resource for Escalonis. And it's called the meseta. So it's on the it's on the top of the ridge uh, that houses the Escalonis property. Immediately to the south of that is an identified target that we call the Mancha Maria. Immediately adjacent. I mean, really, the drills just stopped by the previous operator uh, because they ran out of money in in the mid twenty in the mid thirteens of. 2013, the 20, the 20 teens. Uh, and we believe that uh, there's an alteration zone there and it makes it pretty clear. We also have done surface sampling last year that shows that it's confirmed there's co- Copper mineralization there. We have a drill program that we expect to receive permits for in the next couple of days, actually, that will allow us to drill that ridge off and prove that the min- mineralogy continues. Now, the first goal will be to Uh, extend the oxide layer understanding, and that has the potential to double this resource in size by the volumes involved. If we can prove that the mineralogy continues, that will give us a strong idea and and, uh, proof that the thesis is that this is a resource that's only been half-drilled at the oxide level. There's significant deep drill hole potential from the sulphide layer, which has had some drilling on it done previously but we still, of course, have to fully understand that. And then, on the Escalonis package, we have three other Copper Porphyry Scarn deposits to the Northeast, about 7 or 8 kilometers away, that each has the potential to be as large as the main resource. We also have surface sampling and geophysical work on those assets that prove that there's Copper there, but no drill results have been done historically. So, if you want to compare it to another project, uh, let 's take a look at Philo del Sol, which I'm sure many viewers are very familiar with a billion and a half uh, dollar valuation. They have a uh, their concept they put out a PFS in 2019, which was a similar to Escalonis, is a starter understanding of their resource, which was a solvent extraction electro winning copper gold circuit. So we are all copper they are copper gold, and then they last year did a deep drill hole on their property. That was spectacular, and of course, has ignited the fire in the market and said, hey, listen, you've got an amazing asset here at an early stage of development and all this deep drill result. We have so much drill potential as well, and we have an early stage asset similar to Philo del Sol. Obviously, I'm not expecting anyone to give us a billion and a half dollar valuation at this point in time. But I do want to draw attention to the fact that we are on a similar path, uh, as or I would love to be on a similar path as they are. (laughs) Right. Okay. Right. I
1: I think nice name to pull out of the bag. But Mm -hmm. but back to where you're at at the moment, because I kind of want to, I kind of want to feel this excitement around the the geology, right? So you're you're at you're at altitude. You're going to have the usual things of forget forget the politics. Forget forget. you know, um, whatever royalties the Chileans uh, end up on. They, 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 those conversations may have mm-hmm. been had multiple times. You're at Altitude. Um, talk to me about doing business up there, water, power, well, especially water, but um, power, et cetera. Yeah. I know you're, ne- you're next to Altiente. Uh, yeah, yeah. But which which is, cool. which is a good, you know, that that's a good parallel because of the proximity. But what, what's what are the difficulties of doing business where you are?
0: Yeah, so Altitude is, you know, uh, people are always concerned, and they see that 3,700 meters is where our pit is. Uh, most of the processing would be, well, all of the processing would be done down in the valley uh, that uh, that Escalonus is around. So that's at around 2,000 meters. Excuse me. So the altitude is actually not uh, that significant an issue for us. Uh, certainly. Uh, being at, at elevation brings its challenges, but there's many mines in the world, many of them in Chile, many of them in operations, many of them proposed, such as Filo del Sol, for example, which is over 5,000 meters uh, elevation. So 3,700 meters is actually not that uh, that high in comparison to many other projects in Chile. Um in terms of power, there's lots of power in the region. Uh, it's a grid connection that's in our PEA to tie into the nearest uh, hydro dam, which is connected to the grid. All the power in the region comes from hydro or renewables. It's a great advantage for an SXEW project. Most of the uh, components of, most of the power consumption comes from that electro winning circuit. Uh, so then we can say, our power is clean and green sourced as well. And that contributes to the greener production from an oxide heat bleach project. Water consumption is very, very important in Chile as anyone who follows the space knows. Uh, we have put plans in place to develop a pipeline into the valley over as the f- current valley, that uh, the valley that Escalona sits in is a little bit sensitive to water consumption. So we at an early stage understood that and know that, you know, without anyone coming to us from the government or permits or permitting agencies and saying, hey, you know, you can't do that. Uh, we just did the right thing and put in a larger, a more expensive pipeline to get, it, uh, get the water from there. We've already got potentially two sources of water from seawater pipelines that are contemplated being constructed uh, to the El Teniente region, one by Cadelco and El Teniente. We're in discussions with them to come to an understanding to uh, access water from them, but also from another party that is contemplating building a pipeline uh, for local local users, including farmers. They just reached out to us in the last few days in in order to sign an agreement as well that will allow us to bring water. So water, I actually think will be solved very quickly on this asset, which is also something that many assets in Chile uh, that our peers are still uh, tra- challenging to find water and lock it up. So, uh, actually, very happy with the the current state of the water uh, question. Okay, and and
1: with regards to um, you know, operating at, at at altitude, and you, you've explained what you know whether you think it will be easy, easier or not. Um, what's that? Does that make it more difficult? Or, or, or not to get the permits and licenses that you want, because I assume it's fairly barren land and in terms of yeah. know, EIA approvals and so forth further down the line. Yeah. What's your expectation? You know,
0: Chile, Chile has a very robust permitting process. Uh, they're a rule of law nation, though, very important there. Uh, you don't get what I would call a briefcase permit in other jurisdictions. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you have to follow the framework put in the work, environmental impact statements, uh, do the archaeological studies, the, the biodiversity studies, uh, community outreach, social awareness, building all of that up, culminating in getting your permits. Uh, at elevation, I don't think is necessarily a challenge. There's no glaciers in the nearby region, for example, uh, and certainly not in the Escalonis uh, area that would be impacted by mining. Uh, and development, so that 's not an issue, uh, but you know for us it 's just going to be working through that and you know we 're already building those relationships as I mentioned two weeks ago, we put out news where we partnered with uh, signed a partnership with the University of Chile, uh, which is the oldest university in Chile, I think and even potentially Latin America. Uh, one of the most pre- prestigious, certainly. So they see the value in t- partnering with us for the long term. Uh, we're building those community connections, uh, and coming up with uh, technologies that will allow us to uh, to mine more effectively. I will say as well that uh, you know you talk about the elevation. Many projects are at elevation, but it's say, a flat terrain. So they so the whole say you're. Uh, Pit is at 4,000 meters, but so is your processing and everything else. For Escalonis, being at 3,700 meters, but all of the processing and heap leach facilities being at about 2,000 meters, that means that it actually gives us advantages because we to move the ore from the top of the ridge to the bottom, we are contemplating a conveyor system, for example, and we can even make that a conveyor system regenerative, so it actually generates electricity from the potential energy of the material that you're mining and moving down. Down the the gradient there, so yes, there is challenges at elevation, but also advantages that we can uh, reap as well.
1: I was was talking to a CEO who's who's got a project at at uh, similar kind of elevation, and I said, which which project? Sorry. Well, I better not say. On the basis of what I'm about to say. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought you. I thought you said a project name. there, Sorry. No. And yeah. he, he said the in terms of recruitment, I, I said you must need some very fit people to operate up those levels. It's the complete opposite. Um, smokers tend to do a lot better at altitude <laughs> than, than healthy yeah. people because they're just not yeah, used hot, to that level and, of oxygen in the body.
0: Anyway, and, uh, and for reference, high altitude mining starts at about 4,000 meters, so we're not even in the high altitude mining zone. You're
1: yeah. a perfectly good story of mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, right. <laughs> right, okay. Let, let, let's get back to the the geology bit because you, you've got to, and we're sticking. We're just still on, on on project. I know it's the flagship project, but we're still on one project, and there's some other projects to talk about. Um, and I don't want to use up, uh, you know, all, all of your time on, on, on this, but. You've got to move that PEA forward. You say yourself, you know, it's plus or minus thirty-five percent. I suspect with yep. in, in inflationary pressures and cost, cost pressures um, globally, at some point, um, that's it's only going to go one way um, in terms of the study. So it's going to get more expensive. So you've got six and a half million bucks now. I don't well. So you raised six and a half million bucks in October. I don't know what, how much you've got left in, in the kitty. But it suggests if you had to move this forward in a meaningful way as far as the market is concerned, and obviously deliver some of the exploration uh, type uh, drilling and or, or, or any other kind of drilling that you do, um, you're going to need to raise some capital soon. So w- w- when's that on the agenda?
0: Yeah. So first of all, we yeah we raised six and a half million in our last raise. Uh, we're well financed to take us through this drill program, and that's a combination of cash on hand as well as warrants. Uh, that are held by long-term shareholders who have committed to executing them and not selling them. Uh, We're in a a very advantaged position for a junior mining company where all of our warrants, all of them, and options, except for a last batch that was just granted to management and insiders uh, a couple of weeks ago, all of those options and warrants are in the money at $0.60 or lower, and we're currently trading in the $0.80 range. Now I'll remind listeners who may not be aware of this fact that 90 to 95 percent of warrants expire out of the money, uh, worthless. So that should tell you, uh, first of all, how strong we've moved in the last year. That all of our warrants, and I, and it's not an insignificant amount. It's actually almost 20 million dollars on top of the warrants that I just mentioned will be executed by uh, by the. Um, Long term holders. $20 million of options and warrants uh, are in the money at the moment. Uh, So that is a tremendously cheap financing source for any junior company. Uh, going forward, and since it, we're in the money, it
1: is. Yep. But but, but it, yep. they they tend to do that n- nearer the date, right? Because they don't know what's going to happen in the market between now and then. This could yep. come off uh, again, so they're not going to. Say. So yep. in terms of timing, when, 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 what are we talking about for those incremental?
0: So the, a lot of those warrants are long term. Right. We are already starting to see people executing the warrants as you as you expect in the in the market space uh, when they see volume, they see profitability. They execute the money, a uh, warrants, and take it uh, take it to another company and do the same thing. Uh, so that is again. Normally, you have warrants that last five years. These stories take five years to develop. It's no issue, uh, but we're trying to do it in a short period of time. We maintain our strength uh, as the warrants trickle in. Uh, eventually, we expect about half of those warrants to be exercised on top of what we already have from money coming in with our drill programs that we have planned. They're not massive. 10,000 meter drill programs at this point, very moderate. As you know, we are doing drilling right now to understand the full extent of the mineralogy of the property. And then next year, we will be focusing in on uh, the the deep infill drilling of Escalonis. That's more of a strategic decision. Uh, well, tell me about we, it. Tell you know, me about
1: it because most people expect you to do a bunch of infill drilling. Um, up, upgrade resource and then you know get straight to a PFS because it's a yeah. little bit more solid in terms of the the economics and better understanding what it is that you've got. Why, why not do that?
0: Yeah. So we have so much drill potential at Escalonis that it behooves us to understand exactly the extent of the material or, of, that we have. So, for example, I was talking with our geologist the other day, and he said he worked on a project that they drilled everything for five years. They drilled it off, they did a PFS and an FS, and then just as they were about to get to construction, they drilled condemnation drilling, which is to determine and make sure, hey, there's nothing here. They condemnation drilled under their mill and they found a higher grade deposit than what they just spent the last 5-10 years trying to develop. And back to the drawing board, because why would you go and build something like that when you now have a higher grade potential there? We need to make sure with a, with two inexpensive drill programs, first on that Mancha Maria, and then on the Rio Negro property to the northeast that's had no drilling, uh, that there's nothing better up there, uh, which is always possible. We could find a high, much higher grade deposit at the Rio Negro that changes the focus of the project and says, you know what, maybe it's even better to go up there than the focus on Escalonas. Right. But it also creates optionality for ourselves. And major players as well. So we're not in a rush to uh, build out Escalonis. We need to acquire baseline permitting as well. Uh, so the timelines work out very well. So that, that's yep.
1: kind of that's kind of defining the you know what, what, what do we do while we're waiting for that. So there's a bit of because yeah. what we're going to ask you as well how much time how, how much of a distraction is that you know what what are you what length of rope are you giving yourself for, for that component because that's kind of ifs and buts and maybes scenario mm-hmm. of, right whereas at, Again, this, this, this 75 to 80 million bucks level, you've kind of got to go through the gears a bit to, you know, keep that kind of growth going, keep the interest yep. there and, 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 deliver that. And there's has a few ways you can play that through the drill bit. Obviously, if you, if you, you know, with ex, whether it be expansion drilling or whether it be, you know, pure play exploration and the, and the results kind of, you know, on your side, or you go through the study process on one of your assets of which you have yeah. a handful, right? So yeah I just wonder how you know it's always interesting how companies choose to play that and luck will play a big part of it and uh, and it'll get rebranded as strategy afterwards or or, or well, a <laughs>
0: strategy <laughs> out here early
1: <laughs> so so you know so I think, I think it's just just some important to kind of you know lay, lay that out there for us so yeah. so you're you waiting around for some 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 permits. Uh, So why not get on with a a bit of drilling on the the targets, most likely? Okay.
0: Well, we yeah, yeah, and and I will say you know we're not doing anything that is, uh, you know, abnormal in this regard. Again, you look at in our comp deck, you can look at a list of about fifteen economically studied projects in Latin America and a couple, a few in Canada in the last decade. There's not a lot of companies that get to a stage where they put out an economic study, which is what we just did last week. Uh, I think in the last two years, there's been like a couple, two new projects, one being uh, Merrimacka, and the last one I can't recall. What you see after that is you get that slow rise as you de risk the asset, you do the work to develop it, and that includes finding more property finding more stuff on the property, making your deposit larger, as well as pursuing permitting, and then starting to acquire strategic partners uh, along the way. So We're not trying to rush into something that this small company can't handle at this time. It needs to develop, it needs to uh, ferment a bit, so to speak, yeah. and become very attractive. But
1: you've already been unconventional in that sense because you picked up a property yes. and you say, well, let's raise some money and, and, and drill the heck out of it, right? But yeah. no, you said, we'll we'll do that but first let's get a pea out because the history of this thing would probably lead people to believe that there's not a lot going on there and we need people to understand that we've got the cornerstone we've got a cornerstone of something here yes so you have already been unconventional in that sense as an exp- as yeah. an exploration company
0: and actually we haven't drilled anything on this property yet. right we've done just metallurgy and just project development work um and that comes from experience in those areas too, right?
1: Yeah. But, but okay, I, I guess yeah. we're saying the same thing, but I'm going to go, you, yes. you needed to do what you did in that order before the end that you went off and did exactly. the drilling components yes. as opposed to be a pure play exploration. Let's, let's drill, 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 guys. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting to me um should we give them time frame <laughs> time constraints shall we just quickly like sort of tip our hat towards some of the other projects maybe like say you'd be, if you'd be kind of come back on i'm kind of fascinated by yeah copper stories because there just aren't any good ones out there and we need to see whether this is a good one obviously you talk about cristal um up uh for a little bit further north up 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 in uh, chile um you get doing anything with that
0: yeah so this is uh you know there's a so we talked so much about Escalonis, but really, there's so much more to the company as well. It's kind of crazy that we're at such a value that we are right now with what we have. And again, I get this message from when I tell people who've never heard about it uh, for the first time, they see it as well. Co. So let's talk about Crystal. Crystal is near the Peruvian border. It's a land package that has never been drilled off, surrounded by major players like BHP uh, that have been looking for a deep sulfide deposit below what's called post volcanic or ignimbrite cover. So I won't get too technical, but there's a geophysical anomaly about 600 meters below the surface that we will be targeting this year with an inexpensive drill program. And the idea here is that this, because this is where two fault lines intersect, uh, there's a high potential as well as the geophysical support and everyone else sniffing around in the region who've had moderate success. That there's a potential for a high-grade drill result here uh, that has not been seen before, and so for an inexpensive program, we're going to test out that thesis. And uh, you know, I call this our wild card because we all know how a single success of, an, of a drill result, a deep result like that, if you hit a two or three percent, and I couch that with a very big if, it changes the nature of that project as well. But for that, we wouldn't be looking to develop it. The package is too small, but I think that other players would be looking to consolidate right. in the region. So that's the game plan
1: on that one. Let, yeah, let's let's, let's that go one. even further north up into Arizona. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, Zonia.
0: Zonia is another SXEW project that was a brownfield operation. So, this is a project that has actually produced 60 to 70 million pounds of copper in the 1960s and 70s. The property uh, shut down to do, due to low prices at the time. Over the ensuing decades, other operators have tried to restart the project. They've done drilling on it, and it came into our hands through a merger with a company called Cardero Resources. Excuse me. Cardero Resources is another company that Hank was involved in. He was the CEO. Uh, He brought that asset into Cardero, and now we've brought it into World Copper. Now, why did we think it's so valuable? Uh, It is a 200, so it has a PEA as well. From four years ago, they had a very strong result from it, but they never developed it. They took their foot off the gas and lost momentum, the momentum that we were just talking about for the last half hour or so. Well, the question I wouldn't have asked, uh, they, why do
1: you think it's valuable? I was like, why didn't Kadero think it was valuable? Was that just a question yeah, of timing so, and price in the market? Or was there so more to it?
0: it? It was the shareholders and board disagreed on how to progress the project and they did not. Raise, they didn't think that that was the right time to develop it. Uh, and it was a challenge at the time. And unfortunately, I'd rather be here four years later with a feasibility study or a construction decision ready to be made and some permits in hand because the property sits on private land, the majority of the property sits on private land in Arizona. And that means you can permit it in a three to four year timeframe. And this asset has attractive economics at $3. So it's 200 million initial capital, 200 million after tax NPV, about a 30% internal rate of return. But because it's that SXEW at $4 copper, it's looking at a $450 million after tax NPV. Again, at the PEA stage, of course, there's 50,000 meters of drilling at this property. It's well understood. we can fast track this project into a development story as we you know we only picked it up 3 weeks ago we're doing strategic assessments right now of it but there's also uh so as i mentioned when you sit on private land you can permit faster they constrain the resource to what would sit on the pea or fit in the pa on private land it's actually 50 potentially 50% more resource uh, available drilled already that wasn't included in that pea So, I can add 50% to this resource, make it larger, take it from about 100 million tons to potentially 150 million tons without spending a single dollar on exploration. But we also have exploration potential to the Northeast. Nothing that's been drilled up there, but geophysical anomalies and characteristics that match the main resource, as well as significant just walking along, you see copper mineralogy. Uh, So, we see the opportunity to make this project more valuable in that regard as well. Again, doing a strategic uh, assessment of it. When we announced this transaction, it was under ten million dollars, all shares, no cash. Just too much value to leave on the table. We see synergies there with getting this project in line, producing cash. Now, you, it answers the question of how you fund a Merima, uh, Sorry, not Marimaca, How you fund an Escalonis type uh, project? Uh, because a two hundred million uh, with a with a strong performance from an Escalonis PEA. Uh, I can potentially sell a royalty, for example, on Escalonis that would fund a Zonia and then put it back into Escalonis as a concept. Um, but you know, so much so many assets with this company. Uh we're not just sitting on one, we're developing many and it's all well funded to advance our agendas at all all three of these assets this year.
1: Okay. I, I think we're gonna leave it there because there's I'm feeling sorry for the listeners here. It's like we we, we got into way too much detail. Um, perhaps they give us, you know, if, you know, uh, Zonia and and Crystal some, you know, f- a fair amount of time. Um, but will you come back on? We, uh,
0: anytime, brilliant. of course. I love telling this story. <laughs> okay,
1: yeah, and no, we, we can tell. I, I'm just I'm just intrigued in in terms of how the how you kind of you know balance the books with a portfolio like this whilst kind of driving that. Um, you know, a creative um, investment and 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 growth component to what you're trying to do. So, um, mm-hmm. be really pleased to have you back on. So, appreciate your time today, Nolan. Stay so in touch. You. We'll see you soon. Right.
0: Yep. Thanks, Matt, for having me on, and thank you all to the uh, listeners and viewers. Uh, it's been great chatting with you and getting to know you, and you getting you letting you get to know the company. Uh, some takeaways that I would uh, like to get across to the audience is that we are a very young company by the terms of the mining industry. I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, this is a story that is moving very quickly. Uh, we are developing things very quickly. We have the right team in place. We're well-funded and well-financed to ad- advance our agendas. We know what it takes to unlock the value in the assets that we have, and we put out a steady flow of news. So. Uh, you know, if you're excited by waking up in the morning and seeing what your, what your investments are doing for you, you never have to worry with us. We are pushing forward on multiple fronts. And Another thing that I take pride in is that we deliver on what we say we are going to do. Every, if you've been listening to me uh, in other areas for the last year, I've been telling people, you know, we are working to update this resource. We're going to put out a spectacular resource as an oxide uh, resource. That's what we did. We're going to merge with Cardero Resources. That's what we did. The PEA numbers are looking great. It's coming along nicely. That's what we did. Uh, as we advance, you can be assured that I'm not going to under prom- or over-promise and underdeliver. That's not in my nature. Uh, I'm a professional engineer. By background, as I said, I, I speak the truth Uh, 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 certainly. And uh, I hope that you that gets across to you as well when you're looking at us as a potential investment opportunity. Thank you very much.